With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackfine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or anywhere you get your podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers are headed to Miami for Sunday night football, looking to make it back-to-back wins for the first time this season, get back on a moving train, a winning train, as Mike Tomlin would refer to it as. Plenty of storylines from the quarterback situation to a locker room fight, possible trades ahead for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Brian Flores' return to Miami for the first time since being fired. Jam-packed week here in Pittsburgh. It snowed last night. Don't even want to look out my window because it snowed last night. I hate this time of year so much. It's the time, it's the season where it goes from snowfall to 30 degrees to 80 degrees. And then back to snowfall, just because Pennsylvania is like, got you there a little bit, but you got to deal with it. It's part of living in PA. How you feeling, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling good. Um, Yeah. Fake. uh, We kind of skipped over fall and went straight to winter. Um, Yeah. It was nice when we would have a a couple days of 60 or 50 or whatever, but nope. We got to go straight to 40. Straight Mm -hmm. to 40. It's supposed to be 85. This weekend, I was looking at like that doesn't even make sense. It right. weather should not be able to change that drastically, but mm. that's Pittsburgh for you. That's Pittsburgh. It gets worse too. Like if you live when I lived downtown, I discovered that on super warm days you didn't have to worry about anything. As soon as it got to like thirty degrees, the wind could oh, literally yeah. kill you. It was yeah. it's unbelievable. So that's what you get. You know, you move out of Jessup, Pennsylvania, and <laughs> bad things happen. That's what they say. Bad things happen. All right, let's jump into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dolphins week, plenty of headlines, more headlines than I expected, to be honest with you. The big one, obviously, is Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin said that as long as he is cleared, he will play for the Steelers. He's expected to practice fully throughout the week. Did you? That, that was a little bit of a shock to me. You know, I didn't expect him to practice fully throughout the week. But now that I do know that he will be a full participant, that he will, you know, he's kind of already towards the end of protocol. Does it come as a surprise? Is it the right move for the Steelers? Um, It does come as a little bit of a surprise. Um, I just, you know, I think everyone kind of comes back from concussions much earlier than I always expect them to. Um, But, you know, um, if Kenny's good to go, he's good to go. Um, I think that, I don't know if it changes how I look at this game, but um got to give you more confidence to have your real starting quarterback in there than than roll with Mitch I guess um yeah I just uh you know you do wonder about the the prep I guess just only practicing Wednesday Thursday Friday then doing a walk through Saturday um you know I guess how much is which is one day worth but yeah still this this is much earlier I feel like than than I thought Kenny would be back I don't know about you no yeah I didn't expect him to be a full go on Wednesday, but the fact that he's back to 
that part in the protocol makes me believe that things are going to be fine. I'm a little weary to see how much Mitch actually practices with the ones because Tomlin did say he will take some first team reps just in case and, and anything could happen. I mean, the concussion protocol is pretty plain and simple. If there are any signs of a concussion throughout the week, you are not going to clear protocol by Sunday. It's just not going to happen. So if he wakes up with a headache, if he's got, you know, upper back pain, neck pain at all, if he's got blurry vision, hard of hearing, you know, anything, light sensitivity, anything that says he's not fully ready to go, then it's over. And and it's UPMC, so they're going to take it seriously. It's not like they have the Miami Dolphins doctor saying, hey, you know, he's probably fine. You know, it's no big deal. Uh, they're going to they're they're going to stick to the protocol, handle it correctly. Um, I expect the Steelers to do that either way. But I also expect Kenny to kind of look at this week and say, yeah, there's zero chance I'm going to miss this game on Sunday. You have not happening. And I don't I don't know if I like that approach of a player, but I knowing who Kenny is, that's exactly what I expect from him. Yeah. Um, and you just, you know, at, you know, given everything that happened with Tua and, I mean, Naeem Hines, you know, every all of the kind of nasty head injuries that you've seen going around the 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 NFL this year, um, they're definitely going to take it, I don't know. I don't know if they'll take it more seriously, but there will be, they will be definitely more thoughtful about Okay, is he actually ready to go? They will listen less, I think, to kind of the word of of the player and kind of you know, um, oh yeah, kind 100%. Of stick so, stick more rigidly to the to the protocols and things like that. A hundred percent. Mitch Trubisky, on the other hand, you know his second half performance was good, wasn't strong enough to earn a starting job. I think that's fine. I think you should have stuck stuck with Kenny if he was available. I think you agree with me on that one. Um, but Mitch has also made headlines this week from something that's happened three weeks ago which in my opinion is a bit far, like, you know, we we're pretty far past this, but I came on this podcast after the Jets game and said, there's no way that you just pulled Mitch Trubisky down 10 to six at halftime because you were looking for a spark. That just doesn't happen. Not for a rookie quarterback who hasn't taken a first team rep in practice and who hasn't played a regular season game and said, go win us a game at halftime. That's just not what Mike Tomlin does, the Pittsburgh Steelers do, or most NFL teams do. Now it's come out that, according to Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, that Deontay Johnson and Mitch Trubisky were in a bit of a a fight at halftime. Deontay got in Mitch's face yelling to throw him the football, which is super bizarre because he did throw him the football. Deontay dropped it, led to an interception. That one's 100% on Deontay Johnson. And then Mike Tomlin comes out and replies to the situation and doesn't say doesn't say no but he certainly or he doesn't say yes but he certainly doesn't say no this is what he has to say the things that happen among competitors for from time to time is a normal business everyone wants to win if it transpired good if that probably means there are a couple of guys that want to win if it didn't transpire it probably means that it should have because we are aggressively pursuing victory sometimes that's emotional so in other words, he said it did happen. And if it didn't happen, Deontay definitely should have did it anyways, because Mitch stinks. That's what I took away from that. Uh, I mean, either way, not not a great situation for Pittsburgh. Right. It, it was just a weird quote because it did it it conveyed some kind of displeasure that that Mike Tomlin had with with Mitch's play, but 
It's like Mike Tomlin, you're in control of your own personnel. Like what you needed Deontay to, you needed one of your own players to go yell at your, one of your own players because he wasn't playing well enough. That that's the part that's weird to me is the fact that Tomlin would kind of accept. Uh, for, first of all, I don't think you need to yell at, I don't think you need to like fight with your teammates in the locker room to show that you want to win. Um, I think that was like a, that's like just a, that's just a weird cliche about like, you know, when someone gets angry, that's automatically good because they want to win. I think everyone wants to win, whether they fight with their teammates or not. Um, but then just like, it, it was a weird kind of deflection of, of responsibility a little bit saying that, no, I was happy Deontay did this because someone had to do it. It's like, why don't you do it? You know, exactly. like if Mitch wasn't playing well enough, why don't you yell at him? Why don't you bench him? Why don't like, this is, it was, it was a little weird. It was definitely weird. I never even, I didn't look at it like that, but that's a really good point to say like, why, if Tomlin's cool with this and he was like, Hey, yeah, like that should have been a thing. Why were you, why did it get to that point? Why did, as a head coach, did you allow it to get to, I need a player to yell at another player because we stink this bad instead of handling the situation that just, you're right. right. That doesn't, that doesn't make right, any this- sense. Yeah, this all like kind of falls into his lap, and it's it was just, yeah, it, it's I don't know, it was, and, and and I don't know why you would try to embrace like discord in your locker room, like people getting pissed off at each other, like yeah. that. I, I understand it might have been kind of a spin, but like that's, I don't know, it seemed like kind of a fa- like a weird kind of kind of football cliche, I guess that got like that he loves you know passion and aggression or whatever I, you know it was it, it, it seemed kind of stupid and like a a i don't know it, it just seemed kind of stupid to to kind of praise this and say this was a good thing um, yeah it wasn't a good thing you think about think about the best players in pittsburgh Najee harris and i know that's a bad way to start here but mm-hmm. Najee harris isn't fighting anybody it's just not no. gonna happen cam hayward yeah he fights people in practice pretty often but he's never gonna yell at anybody ever he always has control of his emotions in the locker room make Fitzpatrick one of the most passionate guys I've ever seen on a football field he's not fighting anybody if it's not Chase Claypool during a practice and TJ Watt who never TJ Watt again it's on it's all on the football field if it's on the football field that's a totally different thing emotions are flying people are getting hit you know you are a testosterone driven league and sometimes things get chippy but if it's in the locker room and you're yelling that you should throw me the football, that's just pent up aggression that our anger that you've had towards that guy for some time. And you've let that out. And Mike Tomlin should, ha- you're a hundred percent correct. Mike Tomlin should handle that situation way better. He shouldn't allow it to get to that point whatsoever. And here we are. The, my question do you think it was enough? Because it, like I said, it, it felt weird. Like you didn't throw a rookie out at halftime when you're only down four points because you needed a spark. That just doesn't happen. Not especially not for Mike Tomlin, who's the most cautious coach in all of football. But that's what they did. Do you th- Did you look at that and say Deontay Johnson is the reason that Mitch Trubisky got benched? Because when I first thought of it, I thought, oh, maybe Matt Canada and Mitch got into it. Mike and Mitch got into it. It had to be a coach. It definitely wasn't thinking the guy that just dropped an interception who has had drop problems all season yelling at Mitch. That wasn't my thought. Right. That's it's just, yeah, right. That's, that's really weird. I, it's uh, 
like one receiver alone, you know, whether it's the star receiver or not. Like I just didn't think Deontay carried that much kind of power, I guess, um, in the locker room or in the decision making. Um, and like again, like you said, Mitch was throwing him the ball. Like it wasn't even just that that dropped interception. Like Deontay was the most targeted guy on the team through probably still is the most targeted guy in the but he's getting, you know, seven, eight targets a game. Like this is not a this is not a targets thing. Um it was a um you know whatever Mitch's issues were, he was he was looking for Deontay. Um yeah, yeah I I just didn't know Deontay held that much held that much power in the locker room. That was me neither. I don't think a wide receiver should hold that much power in a locker room. I oh, think yeah. the quarterback should be the like if, if it was the other way around and Mitch was yelling at somebody for something, you know, maybe mm. Najee Harris. If Najee Harris, who's a team captain, was yelling at Mitch in the locker room, telling him, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you stink, blah, blah, blah. Maybe at that point you just say, okay, we're going to lose the offense. But like Deontay Johnson, just like you said, what grounds does Deontay Johnson hold, especially when he's dropping footballs? If this was last season, I could see, okay, maybe, you know, this is your star wide receiver who's clearly upset with your quarterback. But this year, it's just like, this guy's inconsistent. Fans aren't really pleased with him. A lot of people wish that he got traded before he got signed. Like, it's not like this is a fan favorite out here in Pittsburgh. And he's he's mm-hmm. like the guy that everybody should listen to at all times. It's just, it's just, a, that's just weird in my opinion. I think that it was Mike Tomlin ready to do it. I think Mike Tomlin right. was ready to do it heading into the Jets game. He didn't do it because he wasn't ready to give up on Mitch yet. I don't think that he was fully confident in Kenny at that point. And then this happened and he just said, okay, this is a, this is an excuse. You know what I mean? This yeah. is a, it's like breaking up with a girlfriend and you're just like the whole time. You're like, I kind of hope like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like you're in a bad relationship. Right. And towards the end, you're like, you know, I kind of hope that maybe she just like makes out with a dude at a party, you know? Right. So that just makes- you have something to, you have something to fight over and cut it off cleanly. Like, it, yep. Um, yep. And then it's not your fault. And then it's, it's, you know, it's their <laughs> right, fault or exactly. whatever. Exactly. You just want to look like the good guy. I think that was Mike yeah, Tomlin. And yeah, just looking for an opportunity in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would be- I believe that definitely. Like, he's looking for it's a move he wanted to make from the jump. And for whatever reason, he couldn't. And he was just looking for the opportunity to make that move as soon as possible. And this was convenient. And it's a weird situation. But it's three weeks ago. You know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. My question is, like, Deontay, what did Deontay finish with last week? He definitely wasn't. I mean, Chase led the team in in In, receptions. Deontay And yards, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, five receptions for 28 yards. So yeah. how many bad games does Deontay have to have before he's yelling at Kenny Pickett to throw him the football? It just, right. I don't know. It's a weird situation. And on the other end of that, like Chase Claypool's loves Mitch Trubisky, loves him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it's a weird dynamic in, in the locker room right now. I think it's, then you have the, the, the whole like Ron Cook talking about how he displayed poor captainship or whatever. I don't believe any of that. I have not heard any of that. I've heard that he's remaining the captain. The Steelers aren't going to remove him as captain. I think that's a little bit overblown. I don't, I don't trust a radio guy as far as I could throw him. So, you know, that is what it is. All right. Let's talk about Brian Flores return to Miami and chase Claypool's trade speculation. But first we got a word from our boys at manscaped. Welcome to fresh ball fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. 
That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter to fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code STEALERS20. Whether you're brand new or already with us at Manscaped, you could use the crown jewel of their family care for your family jewels, the Platinum Package 4.0. With this glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. Inside this 10-part Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the Performance Package, plus some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game to Platinum. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can keep scaping even as the weather's changing. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant. And don't worry, it's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne-quality fragrance. But we shouldn't have a signature scent just for our pits. Use the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray to make sure that your go-to smell is top shelf and not sweaty balls. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Platinum Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag, both specially made to hold your goodies. Get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with our code STEALERS20. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use our code STEALERS20. Manscaped, clear out the leaves. It's your tree trunks. Time to shine. All right. Brian Flores is returned to Miami for the first time since being fired. What? Was it last year? Two years ago? I'm not totally sure how that timeline goes on. He's under a lawsuit with all 32 NFL teams, which started with the Miami Dolphins. It's come out that, you know, the tank for two a thing was real. Um, Everything since then has just been real shady in Miami. It doesn't look good for the Dolphins, but they're winning football games. All of that aside, Mike Tomlin came out and said that really the impact of Brian Flores can't be that significant because it comes down to the players and not the coaches. Do you do you believe that or do you think that's a bunch of BS because this dude ran that football team for five years? Um, I think you can talk about tendencies and stuff like that. Um, what players like to what individual players like to do, but those players are all under an entire like you said, he ran the show down there, but a completely new guy is running the show down there. Like this is not True. the same Dolphins team that Brian Flores Coach, quite honestly. So I think he can give. So I, I do kind of take Tomlin at his word when he says that, you know, it is a little bit overblown. It's not like Brian Flores still has his, you know, play call list from when he was in Miami. It's going to be exactly the same, and he'll be able to pick out what signals and whatever the the Dolphins are running with. But he will know, okay, uh, Tua likes to do this on third down. You know, he tends to, you know, this was something that we thought we had to work on with him Uh you know, Jalen Waddle likes this or whatever. You know, it's it's stuff like that. I think that'll be more um, up his alley and where he'll be able to contribute more, I think. Do you think that this is like as big of a revenge game as the headlines are going to read? 
when it comes to Flores in Miami? Like, do you expect him to be like, I'm sending the house Two is getting a beating in this game. No doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, through them. I'd, I'd be, I'd be surprised if it wasn't like, I think I would be, if I was Brian Flores, like I would oh, take yeah. this game very much more seriously. I don't, I don't think that's like, you know, uh, and, and I don't think that's wrong. Um, I think he has every right to, um, but again, it's the kind of ownership that he's mad with. He's not mad with at the players or anything like that. So to a certain extent, you could only hurt the owners so much by just beating him real bad. Um, didn't he not so. like Tua though? Wasn't there the stories of like him and Tua didn't get along and he, he wouldn't say that Tua was like the franchise quarterback. He didn't want to draft Tua the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And like, I still think Tua was a big question mark in the NFL, mm-hmm. but I, I, I feel like I remember those. So, and I'm not saying that like he has a grudge against Tua because I doubt mm-hmm. that he does. This is, these are grown men. You know, nobody's like, man, I didn't want to draft you, but I hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that this could be an opportunity for him to show leadership over there. Like told you guys, told you you shouldn't have drafted Tua. told you I was mm-hmm. right the whole time. And you know, Robert Splane's two interceptions in a game. That's a reason why, which mm-hmm. could happen the way that they're using them these days could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. i never saw those, those reports about him and Tua, but um, you know, I don't, I think there will be a- added motivation. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. Whether it's um, whether it's to beat up on Tua because he didn't like him, or um, <laughs> or just to win the game. Um, I think Brian Flores really wants to win this game, and they can talk that down all they want. But like, there is absolutely no way he's not a little bit more fired up for this one than he than pretty much any other game on their schedule, right? Oh yeah, this he's had this circled all season long. Sunday night football in Miami. Like there's no better. He'll be on the sideline, no doubt. He'll be firing guys up. You'll probably there'll be more shots of Brian Flores than there are right. Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett, anybody else. Anybody else in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform or shirt or whatever. They will the camera will be on Brian Flores 95% of the night. Easy. Yeah. So I agree. I think that there's definitely added motivation. I think that Tomlin is lying through his teeth saying that Brian Flores doesn't have a big hand in what's going to happen this week and how they mm. prepare for Tua and so on and so forth. I think he is going to be right there saying, okay, I know that he likes to do, th- do this. I know that he likes to do that. I bet you he's been watching game film since the second he left saying, okay, these, this is, I know exactly how to play these mm-hmm. guys, exactly how to play these guys. Yeah. And he's a defensive-minded coach, so it's not like he isn't, you know, he, he's not going to be taking whiffs. Like he knows how to study a team. And now he's studying a team that he was part of and saw the offense. So I say, I think it's a bit of an upper hand. Right. And it's not like Tomlin's going to come out and say, yeah, Brian has every call from the Dolphins and we know exactly what they oh, are yeah. going to do on every, we know how to read them exactly how we want to. Um, like he's not, not going to announce that to the world. No, no. His whole, uh, you know, it's overblown in the coaching community. Uh, nonsense. Like, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. You know that Brian Flores is sitting in there on defensive meetings saying exactly what Tua likes to do. And obviously everybody has to take it with a grain of salt. And I'm sure Flores is explaining it with a grain of salt. Just like, hey, this is what I remember him doing. This is what he's doing now. But I'm sure a lot of those things still line up. And when that happens, I'm sure like he's he knows how to prepare for this game better than anybody in Pittsburgh right now. And it is nonsense. You know, just like you said, Tomlin would never come out and say 
smart in a smart strategy, you know, oh yeah, Brian knows everything and we're going to like the defense is going to be unstoppable blah blah blah. You know, mm-hmm. he handled it the way he should have handled it, but anybody who believed him you're you're wrong. You know, you fell for the mm-hmm. trap and Miami's not falling for the trap. That's one thing for certain. They understand that this game is a Brian Flores revenge game and they need to win this game, especially with Tua coming back. All right, last thing I want to talk about here. Chase Claypool, where you are one week away from the trade deadline. Things are heating up. ESPN has mentioned a billion trade trades. I saw Pro Football Network say that Christian McCaffrey could come to the Steelers, which is the most nonsense thing in the whole world. Chase I read Claypool. that too. That was a that was a funny. The basically the trade they suggested was just like Najee and some draft picks straight up. I was like, all right. Okay. Yeah, like what do you do? It's like, oh, okay. Here, Najee Harris, who people have a problem with, and like, yeah, there's there's question marks around Najee this season. Let's just go trade for Christian McCaffrey, who I can't remember the last time was healthy for an entire season. And yeah, he might be phenomenal, but you can't be phenomenal if you're on a football field. Plus, let's give up some draft picks so that we could get a running back to build around when we already have a running back that we could build around that's a lot cheaper than Christian McCaffrey. It was the dumbest mm-hmm. trade possibility out there that I've seen in in a while. That being said, the good one seems to be Chase Claypool. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler says that the Packers are looking for a possible trade target when it comes to a wide receiver. Uh, He named Chase Claypool. I'll tell you this. I talked to somebody about the situation, and what I got is that the Packers are looking for a wide receiver, which I think is pretty well known, and their type of wide receiver seems to fit the mold of chase Claypool. That doesn't mean that it is chase Claypool and a lot of bigger receivers in the NFL these days. So you have no idea, you know, if if their only target is chase Claypool or if he's one of many on their list, do you think chase Claypool, there's a real shot that he gets traded within the next two weeks? Yes, I do. Um, I think just because you can kind of sell high, um, you know, he's coming off a really good game. You kind of have to expect that he will kind of be able to keep that up. Um, The Packers didn't look a good, good spot. Um, They need, they need, I don't know if like, honestly, if you're trying to make Chase Claypool a number one receiver or whatever, you might, might be having a bad time, but he Chase Claypool is certainly talented enough to to make the most of a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So so okay. that makes a lot of sense. I don't think he'd be that expensive um for the Packers to get. Um but yeah that that I that would make a lot of sense. I don't kind of know where else Chase would, would go, who else would be kind of looking for him. So really it seems like it'd be Packers or nothing. Yeah, I look at it as Packers or nothing. I don't know anybody else who would make calls for Chase. But you said that you could probably get him inexpensive. What's inexpensive? What do you expect the Steelers to get for Chase if they traded him by the deadline? Well, so he was a second-round pick. I don't think you're going to get that level of of compensation for him. I think you're going to have to look for like a third and maybe some, some – like a third or lower. And if you go any lower than a third, probably some some filler – like some some young, I don't know. Are you, some young are you something taking like, a third round pick? I feel like a third round pick's the lowest I'm going for Chase Claypool because at that point you might as well just let him rock for. A, you got him for a whole other season after this. At bare minimum, he's a six foot four, two hundred and forty pound guy that you could just line up there and hope that he has a big game. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't I know. Bet, if I mean, if you're the Packers, are you going to pay more than that? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think you're dead on with the third. But if you're the Steelers, are you giving up more than a third? Like, if they're like, "Hey, we'll give you a fourth round pick," are you taking a fourth round pick for Chase Claypool? No, probably not. No, I don't think I am either. I think maybe a third, maybe a third and something. Like if you were like, here's a third and a sixth, I'd say, okay, well, we could start talking. If it's anything lower Mm -hmm. than a third, there's just no point. Like at that point, you're just like, well, we can make something out of this guy. You know, at bare minimum, if he gives us three, seven catches for 96 yard games a season, that's that's better than a a fourth round pick, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Easy. You yeah. know, and on top of that, you got Calvin Austin. Like you have room to spare next season to where you could wait if you don't feel comfortable moving him this season. Now, what does he have to do? Like, say he has like a decent season for the rest of the year, finishes like just about a thousand yards, probably a little bit under, but say he finishes with 900 yards and like five touchdowns heading into the final year of his deal next year. Do you think that you could actually get good compensation for this guy in the off season? Or is that at that point, you're just like, we've waited too long. Oh no, I think you absolutely could. If he climbs up to a thousand yards by the end of the year, you'll have a ton of people looking for him. Um, that's a, well, I guess it kind of depends on what money he's looking for after that contract. Um, Definitely big money. Definitely big money. But like, what do you have to, like, you can't, like, there's no way he's getting more than Deontay. You know, like, Deontay's 13-5. No. There's no way he's getting 13-5. I would say 11, like $11,000 over two oh, yeah. years. Yeah. $22,000 or $22 million deal. I feel like a team would give him that, you know, like, or, or like let him play out his final year and see. Cause at that point, he's going to bet on himself and say, okay, let's see if I could have a big year with a different quarterback. And if I do, then my, market's going to skyrocket whereas it's if it's in pittsburgh there's no chance he's getting another deal here and they're just going to let a guy who's who's got all of those physical attributes walk i just feel like that doesn't make any sense because you don't you don't want to do that like you don't want to invest the second round pick in a guy who the rest of the nfl's probably still believes in like there's no way he's just going to go unsigned or sign up a, a nonsense juju smith schuster one-year deal somewhere like he's going to get actual money somewhere and you're just going to let that walk i think that at some point you got to pull the trigger and say all right we'll give up whatever we could get for this guy because it's better than just letting him go but i think that's got to be like a right. like a third round pick ish third round pick ish yeah. maybe yeah, you definitely can't let him walk for nothing that's no i think that personally i think that you could in the offseason, probably get a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. I think closer to the draft, depending on how the wide receiver class looks, especially if you wait till draft night and guys start coming off the board. Like Marquise Brown is my perfect example. He should not have gone for a first-round pick. Should not have gone for a first-round pick. The dude did nothing in Baltimore whatsoever. And he was a great college wide receiver, no doubt, but so was Chase Claypool. And then... He went to Baltimore, didn't fit into the scheme, did nothing. A little bit of a different story because I think Chase fits into the scheme. He just doesn't play it well. But I think this is the first year that he's fit into the scheme because I don't think he was an outside guy. And he's he's gone through three quarterbacks in, in a matter of seven weeks. So 
it's it's tough to say like oh all the all the elements are adding up for Chase Claypool. Like I think there's enough excuses there for Omar Khan to convince somebody, hey, you know, this guy's got a lot of upside. Maybe you toss us a second round pick and, you know, we'll we'll send him your way for like Chase and like a fifth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I mean Chase Claypool, you could go get another Chase Claypool in the second round. You get you could get a George Pickens in the second round, which is right. way better than Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. I just I think if you wait till draft night, that's where you go. Plus, like, you don't want to give up on the season this year. Yeah. And you're yeah. not ready to do that. Yeah. And I don't think Chase is going to tank his value at all for the rest no. of the season. I'm kind of counting on him playing maybe not at the level that he did against the Bucks, but like similar, like around that level. Like, I don't like he's not going to play so poorly that he, you know, seems unplayable or like that no one wants him or that his trade value really tanks that that hard. Exactly. The last two weeks, Chase has gone five receptions for 50 yards and seven receptions for 96 yards. So, like, he's on the upswing. He's de- he's definitely <laughs> heading in the right direction. If you could get 75 yards a game, finish with five or six touchdowns on the year, somebody's calling. Like, this dude's way too big, way too fast, way too physical for you to say, now we're just going to. We're just going to ignore this guy, especially if the Steelers make it known to teams like, hey, Chase is a little bit on the trading block. I think mm-hmm. I think come the offseason, his values through the roof. But I don't expect anything to happen by week eight. I just look at it like unless Green Bay calls and they're like, we'll give you a first round pick or a second round pick. You know, I just think that at that point, you're just you're not willing to send Calvin Austin out there and be like, Hey, you are our slot guy. You haven't played a game yet. You haven't practiced in almost two months. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go fill the role of chase. Claypool. Have fun. <laughs> Go have fun. Yeah. Like that's just not going to work out in anybody's favor. It's going to put unrealistic expectations on Calvin Austin. It's just not, it's not a good move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I think that they sit on it unless something crazy happens and they just let it rock. That's how, that's how I view the situation. All right, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And as always, go use our promo code at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. I'll be back tomorrow with the live stream. Me and Derek will be back Friday for the, day, the Friday podcast. Enjoy your week. Peace. <laughs>